Perfected Praise Purview, written by Lucy Painter, narrated by Steve Andrews. Dedication. I celebrate you, my family, each of you, patience, precious, and praise, and my baby, my husband, Mr. Painter. You are all praise reports. Thanks for the understanding and patience during the lockdown due to COVID-19. You made it easy for me to write. Thanks, baby, for allowing me to bounce off ideas and proofreading each chapter. Indeed, this book is born of teamwork. Endorsement It has been 11 years down the line since God spoke to Pastor Lucy audibly about all that is happening in her life today. It was in August in one of the evening meetings for pastors and leaders, which she and her team had organized. I was the main guest speaker in the conference, and from day one, she served throughout the meeting tirelessly. I could see her zeal and the passion for kingdom service. She served from the kitchen to the altar with much joy and grace, coordinating almost everything, including the program, leading praise and worship, and interpreting. Surely this was too much work. In our final day evening meeting, I had the privilege to minister before we dismissed the people. I remember seeing Pastor Lucy sitting in the front row with other pastors. I began travailing even before I had started ministering. It was a heavy travailing, and I was convinced the program would get out of my hand. I finally yielded to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He led me to call Pastor Lucy to receive a precious package from the Holy Spirit. When she came to where I was standing, a bright light fell on her and the power of God rested upon her until she was slain. The Lord spoke and said, Today, my daughter, I am healing your bleeding heart, for I am giving you to nations as a messenger of hope. To my amazement, God said to her, I know from this meeting you had purposed to resign from serving me, but I am healing your bleeding heart, and I will renew my covenant of love with you, and you will serve me in new dimensions which you know not but I will teach you. Come, my daughter, come. Enter into a season of praise. See to it this day, for I am doing it now. And for a sign to you, you will conceive and give birth to a baby girl. Hearing this, the whole conference went quiet. Her transition to the fulfillment of prophecy went through the midnight hour of darkness. Through it all, Pastor Lucy purposed in her heart to live a life of praise despite the situation. Today. I can attest that God is indeed faithful and true to his word. Pastor Lucy is happily married, a mother of three children, and the presiding pastor at Glorious Power Church. She is a strong intercessor, a great inspirational minister to the young generation here in the United States. The book, Perfect Praise, is a reflection of her true walk of life. In this book, she gives a deep revelation on what perfect praise is all about. It is beyond singing and playing instruments. It should be our day-by-day walk with God, our lifestyle. I would recommend this book to all, both young and old. It is a life-transforming book worth reading. Dr. Joe Bright Baraka, Presiding Bishop, Global Victors Chapel. Irene's Testimonial When you were planning to give up on serving as a pastor, during the mission to Thuatus, as you have described, I wish you knew how your presence as my pastor was the only hope I had. It quenched the long thirst for God I had suffered. Every word of God you spoke and your experiences with him entered my heart like a cool breeze in the desert sun. Indeed, this was valuable, 
and I realize that the value of a person should never be measured in monetary terms or treasures of this world. I concur with you that revelatory knowledge of God and His Word, when applied in our experiences, form the components of praise. In addition, our positive thoughts, inner appreciation of all as the Holy Spirit brings to our attention, are also elements of praise. Noted here is that praise by itself is a weapon of warfare. The key fact is that God dwells in the presence of our praises. I can attest to your great courage in exercising praise as a weapon of warfare in several occasions. Like in the case you have described of that commercial false prophet where the praises you led gave a glorifying victory. This is what I have learned. Perfected praise drives the devil out because he cannot coexist with God. You should also remember that we have been given a spirit of confidence and not fear, and therefore fear and discouragement are foreign spirits, not of our God. No wonder they can only hinder a genuine spirit of praise. This book is an awakening of how, through an atmosphere of praise, we can experience God's presence and uplift Him to the heights where He spontaneously unveils His mind to us, even the hidden secrets of His heart through prophecy. Certainly, the Holy Spirit sings in our hearts to encourage, comfort, and deliver an appropriate message of God to us, especially when we are in darkness. The birth of praise, your last-born daughter, was for sure a physical attestation to the miracles God can do. I remember that time very clearly, especially the missions you undertook with zeal to preach the gospel while expectant with her and even immediately after her birth. You are a living testimony that perfected praise is a conscious effort that one must initiate for it to manifest. Carrying the cross of Jesus is a requirement for every believer, but the answer of not feeling the nails as they are hammered into us in form of the rough situations in the world is to adopt a lifestyle of perfected praise. After that, we shall be sure that the rivers of life filling the temple of God within us will overflow in the ailing society and freshen up the dirty waters like the angel of God described to Ezekiel, Ezekiel 47. Pastor Lucy, I am one of those who proudly emulate your godly virtues, especially of praising the Lord. If a president can give 1,000 U.S. dollars to children who please him with praises, how much more can our loving master Jesus, the owner of gold and silver, give to us when we genuinely praise him? This book has, in fact, succeeded in its endeavor to define what praise is. That will significantly help change our attitude. God bless you, servant of God. Irene Mathoni Najoroji Masters in Linguistics, University of Nairobi Teacher of English and Literature, St. Peter's High School Kiambu, Kenya Secretary Board of Management, New Foundation Fellowship Church, Nairobi, Kenya an overview. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Psalms 33.1, King James Version. In this verse, praise is depicted as fitting for the upright, and comely meaning that it is beautiful and pleasing. I love to praise the Lord, and over the years, I have yearned and dedicated my life to understand praise. In my research, I have striven to answer these questions. 1. What is praise? 2. Why praise? 3. Whom to praise? 4. 
when to praise. 5. How to praise. Many authors have written about praise, but I believe that through personal experience and study, combined with the revelation of the Holy Spirit, I will add to the collection that already exists. As you read this book, may you be enlightened and elevated to new levels of praise. I know that through this book, you will realize what a powerful weapon praise is and how to unleash its power. My life journey, which has not been easy, but through it all, I have benefited from the power of praise. I do not ascribe to have known everything about the topic, but I am still learning as the Lord continues to reveal himself to me daily. Psalms 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Chapter 1. My Story 1980s is when I was born, the second child of my lovely parents, Susan and Peter Maina. They were living in Kenya in the outskirts of Thika town, which was then small, in one of its renowned suburbs, Makongeni Estate. My mother, who is a seasoned storyteller, ensured that she gave me the first-hand narrative of the circumstances surrounding my birth and toddler years. She gave the chronicles very well, such that I could visualize the story just like a first-hand witness. Mum and Dad were that young, ambitious couple, looking forward to the bright prospects and promises of a world of growth and stability. While Mum was working in a textile factory as a tailor, Dad was learning the ropes of electrical contracting. I am still fond of calling him engineer. The title elevates his spirits, unlike the usual fundi tag. Mom was also proud of her work, and I recall how she would proudly talk of working in an international company. You see, the factory was called Yukon, initials for Yugoslavia and Kenya. Going by their professions, the future would be bright, or so they thought. Actually, there was all light without the idiomatic tunnel. Life was but smooth for them, both economically and socially. Ours was a case of living in the cabin with the high hopes and ambitions of someday shifting to a castle. During those times, we occupied a single room, but the interior decor, thanks to the creative genius of the young parents, made it possible for us to live comfortably with ample privacy. Curtains played an essential role in partitioning the single room. They adorned the room with the colorful long curtains which transformed our single room into a self-contained house fully packed with a kitchenette, a master bedroom, and of course a room where my elder brother and I had our beds. Our house help would sleep on the makeshift sofa settee which doubled up as a bed during the night. All in all, arrangement is what mattered most. Brief Young Life in the Village However, with all the arrangements, hopes, aspirations, and dreams, things would take a drastic twist. When I was just two years, my mum became very sick, which made her stay long at the hospital. It was therefore onerous for my dad to balance between taking care of our mother at the hospital while raising up little kids. The tough toll called for quick decisions and interventions. Dad had to submit and seek assistance from the extended family. Literally, the responsibilities had to be devolved. I ended up living with my paternal grandmother, and my elder brother went to stay with my maternal grandmother. Our last-born sister was taken to my aunt, dad's sister. This, while it was all tough and agonizing for my parents, my innocent self would barely comprehend the change. In fact, my grandmother gave me a memorable refuge. 
the kind that made me forget any worries of the world. She was just an amazing woman, to say the least. May her soul rest in peace. I remember that I was always on her back as she took the herd to the cattle dip. At other times, I would be on top of her bundle of firewood. On other occasions, when she went to fetch water downstream, my exhausted young self would really cry as the climb became too steep to ascend. But Grandma always had my back. Her strength and tender care would let her carry me on top of her 20-liter jerry can as she journeyed from the river. I cherished her company, and any time she thought of leaving me behind when embarking on her errands, my wails would make her rethink her decision. She had to tag the little me along. However, she had to take a tough stance lest the supposed bond made me a spoiled kid. For instance, our attachment had made me loathe school. Contemplating leaving my grandma behind for school was a nightmare, but her stand on education was uncompromised. Whether I cried or not, going to school was mandatory. Nowadays, I appreciate the wisdom which informed her tough stand. I would later become accustomed to the school routine, which also proved to be more interesting than I had initially thought. School was not a luxury, but a necessity. My nursery school, kindergarten, was a mud-walled building with an earthen floor. It was, ideally, a makeshift classroom. For hygiene purposes, we were required to bring to school at least a two-liter jerry can of water. That was meant to sprinkle the floor to reduce the hazardous dust, which was also a byproduct of our stomping feet. We would also carry some ash, which we used to smoothen the earthen floor. The ash served the purpose that tiles serve today. Right now, it is apparent that our early childhood education was laced with difficulties and hardship, but that rarely dumped our spirits. It was always fun as we learned singing new songs, modeling by the riverside, and writing using a finger with the ground as a book. The climax of it all was the lunchtime signal. It came by the way of a Swahili song, which surprisingly, up to date, makes me nostalgic, and I stealthily hum it. Naskia salty, naskia salty, sayuti amama, sayuti amama, sasani sasita, sasani sasita, kwaheri mwali mu, watoto kwaheri. I hear the sound of my mother, and now it is noon. Goodbye, teacher. Goodbye, children. Immediately after the song, everyone would gather their stuff and run home. In fact, it was a race, since I would always run alongside my cousin Steve, who always won against me. He was quicker and more agile than I was. School was always that routine and fun, learning new things and running back home. No wonder I am always nostalgic about some of those periods. Back to the city, to a testimony. My stay in the village was not long, but whatever made me get back to the town was worthwhile. I was reuniting with my parents. I knew I would miss my grandma's company, but the change in the environment was awesome, and this is why. I was just six years old when my dad came to pick me up. Somehow, I knew that normalcy was resuming. However, I was still so young, such that I could not grasp the extent or the magnitude of the events which had led to the shift. My mom had received a miraculous healing. You remember I had told you earlier that she had been bedridden and hospitalized for quite a long time? It was a long illness, and it had seemingly taken away her ability to ever walk again. 
Mum's life had taken a tough turn, although she had started adapting to the state. The doctors had discharged her on crutches with a statement of finality. However, one day she decided to attend a house fellowship within the neighborhood. She was a staunch Christian even then, but her illness had barred her from attending such gatherings. As she limped in, everyone was shocked. A once agile young woman was now dependent on crutches. She did not even have the privilege of affording a wheelchair. However, the shock in the believers turned into a void, one they knew could only be filled by God's mercies and grace. Undoubtedly, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availed much. See James 5.16 The shock of the fellow believers had turned to tears and cries of help from the Lord. Their fervent prayer touched God, and in a miraculous turn of events, the situation changed. While the fellowship continued, Mum stood up and went to the bathroom. Imagine she had walked to the bathroom, and that is when it dawned on her she was not on crutches. Talk of instantaneous healing. She never finished the business which had taken her to the bathroom. Instead, she ran out screaming and calling for everyone's attention, shouting that she had been healed. I can walk! I can walk! was the only sound reverberating around. It was the case of go ye and proclaim the good deeds. It was a shifting moment. Faith had been uplifted and hope in God had been deeply grounded by the miracle. My craving to know God. From this first encounter with God's glorious power on my mother, a desire to understand God and have a personal relationship with Him was birthed in my spirit. In my young mind, I knew that God is true and powerful. At the mention of God or Jesus, I paid close attention in eager expectation to learn more. It was during this quest that I gave my life to Jesus in a dramatic conversion. I was nine years old at the time, and my mom was always singing around the house as she did her chores. During that particular year, there was a song which had become so popular, and as usual, my mom kept singing it. The song was about how people would burn in hell and turn to ashes. According to the song, all those who refused Jesus and continue in sin would ignite and burn to ashes. One afternoon, I watched her singing while lighting the charcoal stove, and I thought of how I will burn in hell if I did not receive Jesus in my life. Visualizing the charcoal stove fire and connecting with the song she was singing birthed a great fear in me. That night, I had a nightmare. The fire was falling on me from the sky. I tried to run, but the fire kept raining. I screamed and wailed, and then I heard my mum's concerned voice calling, and jokey. When I opened my eyes and realized it was only a dream, I told her I wanted to be born again. I wanted Jesus to be my friend. She looked at me smiling, tucked me in, and whispered, Sleep well. You have been born again. Jesus is your friend now. Suddenly I experienced a calmness that cannot be described with words, and I slept soundly. The following morning, I was all bubbly with joy and completely assured that I would not burn in hell. I praised the Lord for saving me at that tender age. I could not keep quiet about my conversion. I told anyone who cared to listen that I was born again. On Monday, the first thing I said to my teacher was that I was born again over the weekend. She rejoiced greatly and inquired how it happened. I narrated with gusto how my mom tucked me in and assured me that I had been born again. She looked at me with very kind eyes and she asked, Did anyone pray for you? No one had, so she took that opportunity to pray for me, and she gave me my first Bible. 
It was the New Testament Gideon's Bible, written in Swahili. Every day after school, she dedicated a few minutes to pray and read a few verses with me. I started my journey of faith at that tender age. Over the years, the existence of God who deserves to be praised has been very evident to me. I have no shadow of doubt that He was, He is, and He will be. To Him be all the glory, honor, and praise. Needless to say, the journey has not been all smooth and cozy. There have been times and seasons that my faith has been tried and tested. But through it all, one theme keeps emerging after every storm, hurdle, success, progress, or victory. That theme is praise. Take a journey with me as I share about perfected praise from my personal experiences and encounters. I am forever grateful for the Word of God. The Bible has always been my point of reference. When going through a phase in life, I tend to check out what the Bible says concerning that situation. I assure you that there are countless stories in the Bible that relate to everything we experience in life. Thank you for your continued support and encouragement to the making of the Daily Insights. Reaching an average of 60 people a day with over 10,000 total plays. I invite you to partner with us by supporting this podcast through monthly or one-time donation. Your contribution will be used to sustain the episode subscription and hosting platform. My goal is to inspire and share insightful messages in our generation empowering one person at a time each day to continue serving the purposes of God in our generation. Your support is highly appreciated. Click that support button now and give your support. You can support with $1, $5, or as much as you are able to give. Blessings. Blessings.